The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello and welcome to the 442 Insider Podcast, where we take you behind the scenes at Australia's top footballing publication. This week we've been grabbing more scoops than the fat chick at hagen covering news on the Socceroos, the Hyundai A-League and international football. That's one you'd thought of normally, you know, it's oh, two minutes before, but you'd thought about that one, wouldn't you? Good. Um, I'm Paul Hanson, Editor-in-Chief, and this week I'm joined by publisher Andy Jackson. Hello. Deputy Editor Trevor Trahan. Hello. And special guest, mm. Fox Sports commentator Brenton Speed. Thanks for having me, Paul. No problem. It's our pleasure. Thank you very much for coming along and lowering yourself and coming into the podcast. Uh, <laughs> this will nice. be on the CV by the morning. Step down from Fox Sports. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, first up in this uh, podcast this week is a review of round 14 of the A-League last week's games. First game, which was Friday night's clash between Adelaide United and Brisbane Raw. Saw and get his first win. Yeah, this is a big game. This one we're we're stressing before because it it was the two sort of um, fallen forces who are outside of the finals, and I think one or potentially both you know aren't aren't going to make the cut. So this is a really important game, and I think uh, Brisbane would have been cut off slightly a bit more at the bottom if they, they hadn't picked up a result. Um, what I did think about in this game is the end of round 14. If you went back to the end of round 14 last year and how Adelaide were getting on, because I mean Adelaide find themselves in eighth now and not looking like they're going to get the finals unless they improve. End of round 14 last year, they beat Wellington 6-1. They went to the top of the A-League ladder and it was their last game before they went over to Japan for the World Club Cup where they were one game away from playing Man U. So what a difference a year has made, you know, to be an Adelaide fan in, in one position like that and now looking at how it is now. That is research-tastic, Trev. <laughs> That's all I've got. That's all I've got. That's all I've got. I was just seeing whoever's writing the form book has lost their pen. Because there is no form book. It's, yeah. you know, again, we've just seen that it's impossible to tip. You know, and what we've seen again is that the weekend's results have just tightened the whole division up again. You know, so where we looked at, everyone was talking last week about our oh, Melbourne and Sydney gonna gonna pull away a bit. They've been pulled back again. So can we read too much into that result, Brenton? I mean, Adelaide seemed to be on the down, and you know, the Brisbane got their first win a couple of weeks too late normally you expect the co- change of coach scenario to bring the win straight away for Ange Postacoglu yeah. but it took him a couple of weeks and Sergio Van Dyke finally stood up I think Van Dyke has been out of form lately so it's good to see him on the score sheet and once he gets on a roll he can get going but uh, Adelaide so poor the week before that game against the Mariners was uh, not one to write home about and they're struggling in front of goals they brought Lloyd Awusu in he hasn't done the job for him uh, it looks like already Abidmar is going another way now so they really need to get things ticking up front in a hurry uh, we're at the midpoint of the, um, of the season and Adelaide United need to start finding the goals that's for yeah. sure yeah, I think it's Trevor's curse Trevor Trevor was giving uh, Greenacre of Wellington a big rap and he hasn't really uh, come to form and then he was uh, having a go at uh, Van Dyke two weeks ago I think it was and now he scored three goals well, in two games I was making the point that he, he's statistically the most wasteful striker in the A-League yeah. in terms of how many shots he had and, and they go in and when I did see him score I was a little bit annoyed because I knew, I knew I'd make that point previous <laughs> I can imagine. maybe he listens and you've motivated him <laughs> maybe exactly. you get a call from Ange saying can you please have a crack at someone else on the team <laughs> that might be good uh, second game of the round Melbourne victory against Central Coast Mariners uh, quite a shocking result really wasn't it lads? yeah it was a bit of a thumping um, we talked about you know were Mel- you know, Melbourne were going to be prepared for the Mariners after what they did in round one and they weren't 
You know, they just couldn't cope with them. And, and towards the end, I, I, the most disappointing thing for me, if you're earning merit, would be the sort of capitulation in the last 10 minutes because that's not what you know Melbourne victory for. Um, or, yeah, OK, lose the game, but don't sort of give up, which it looked like they, they'd sort of done that in the last 10 minutes and shipped another couple of goals. But, um, but yeah, Laurie's doing it again. Good to see Nick Merger on the score sheet. You know, we talk about him a lot as being... So much talent, but such a bad time with injuries. Um, so yeah, so I mean, yeah, it was disappointing um, for him. That, but great that he's come back. Um, I mean, you know, when we think what 18 months ago he was playing against Argentina at the MCG, had a great start to the season, and then got injured in that game, and again has struggled to, to find fitness since. So let's hope that's a, a good sign for him. Well, Brenton Andy was saying earlier on that it's uh, you know that the form books out the window for Melbourne. Right up at the top of the league to lose four 0 at home. Well, they have no such hope for anyone, is there really? <laughs> they have such big um, crowds at home, and other teams seem to get motivated when they go there. And Melbourne are struggling to get results at home, which is amazing. But I think Matt Simon stands up to Kevin Musker. I don't know what, what you guys think, but very few players do that. Mm. Matt Simon does it and loves it and uh, puts Musket off his game and the Mariners are getting results against Melbourne. Maybe that's the key to have a player who, up front who's going to get aggressive with Musket and uh, fight fire with fire. He certainly gives a bit back. You can see where after play they're having a little laugh with each other and uh, I think that's good. You know, it's a good sign and it, you know, Matt Simon's one of those players that he sort of, he sort of loved to hate a bit but he does, you know, he's one of those players that you just know people don't like playing against. So he's a great player to have up front making a use of himself. I think he's a good A-league player, isn't he? I can't see him achieving much more elsewhere but I think for the A-League he's perfect um, a comment I keep hearing from you know up the pub after A-League games is that's the beauty of the A-League and you get these results that completely turn things upside down people go oh that's the A-League so unpredictable <laughs> mm. the only problem is that I like to you know occasionally have a punt on what's going to happen in the A-League <laughs> and I'm not going oh that's the beauty of the A-League yeah, <laughs> yeah that can be a problem yeah uh, the second game on the Saturday was Gold Coast against Sydney the clash at the top of the table and Gold Coast ran out 1-0 winners thanks to to Smeltzy. They're back on track again now, Brenton? And a delicious ball from Jason Kalina. I yeah. mean, they're the two key players and they combine for the winner. Um, I had a feeling that Shane Smeltz, with this key World Cup qualifier coming up for New Zealand, had maybe put the cue in the rack a bit, didn't want to put his body on the line because you don't want to miss out on games like that yeah. as key players. You've got this chance to go play in front of a packed cake tin. I think that was definitely on the mind of Shane Smeltz, but good to see him get back on the score sheet because for the month prior, there wasn't a lot happening for Shane Smeltz. And... Uh, They've just got to get things right. I mean, the biggest, most pleasing aspect is a clean sheet. If Gold Coast keep clean sheets, they're going to win games, aren't they? But uh, Bass Vandenbrink have been found out and been a little bit shaky in the last um, you know, month and a half or so. So that's the key thing for Miron Blyberg, keep clean sheets, and I'm sure they can build on it in the second half of the season. Yeah. Mm. Disappointed with Sydney, though? Yeah, I mean, as they have done in every game, they, you know, they played some neat, um, you know, some neat football without necessarily having that cutting edge. I think Corica losing Corica so early was um, was a blow. I think that that is is a lot a lot of what they do goes through him. Um, Brendan Gann has flattered to deceive a bit this season. I think he's he's probably not kicked on. Um, and you know, he had that sort of, you know, the, the ignominy of being substituted as a substitute. Although, if you actually look at it, he played 70 minutes. He came on in the 14th minute and was substituted in the 84th. So 70 minutes is not a bad shift. If someone comes off after 70 minutes, yeah. fair enough. So I don't think it was really that embarrassing for him. But, um, but yeah, I mean, the incident was, uh, you know, was Kalina really, um, you know, really looked up for it. Certainly took it out on the advertising hoardings when he... Uh, when he uh, didn't Kevin Musker get... get uh, 
get a rebuke or a fine for doing that last yeah, year. Yeah, I think so. Where he kicked, kicked the, the Samsung, Samsung thing, board inside. But that was probably because there was shirt sponsors. I think he had just been happy. sent off at the time. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's not a different situation. But, but one thing has got to be said about um, Clive Palmer's baseball jacket. <laughs> have a look at that he's rich he can wear what he wants oh, so, as he's sat there with the, all the FFA big wigs they're all suited and booted and Clive's there in a baseball jacket I was like nice touch yeah. Yeah. egg on his face with the crowd though wasn't it power uh, you know they wanted the they wanted the cap off give us our seats back so an extra 364 people could, uh, could get in and, and I quite enjoyed the uh, um, the way to get back in with, with the crowd was one of the most Australian versions I've ever heard the sausage sizzle with Clive Palmer well, what a brilliant <laughs> idea that is will they, what cap, other will they com- cap in the amount of sausage yeah, yeah, you yeah. want to make sure like you're in front of him in the queue <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean what other country in the world do you get your owner out sausage sizzle come on sorry about you that you can imagine Roman Abramovich having like a kind of uh, warst Bor- yeah borsk I think borsk borsk or something there, like that yeah. uh, Sunday's game the early one was Wellington Phoenix against Perth Glory it was a great, great end to the match. I was uh, glued to my seat, or are you glued to your seat when you glued enjoy to it? the yeah, no, the screen. Edge, edge, edge of your seat, seat, maybe. Yeah, I was on the edge of my TV. I think you were glued, <laughs> and then glued, glued to the box. I don't know what was going on, but I really enjoyed it. Anyway, and, there was uh, glue involved. It was good. Yeah, <laughs> sure you weren't sniffing it. Yeah, I think it was the Melbourne Cup winner. Was, uh, yeah. But yeah, one all. Paul Ifill getting a, a late goal to salvage a point, and I, you know, thought that it could have gone on and won that one actually. I mean, it's twelve unbeaten at home now for the Phoenix. That's mm. pretty impressive, anywhere, isn't it? And especially in the unpredictable league that that is the A League. Ifill as well, who's fast becoming our favourite player and. You know, a real Have contender. You let Chris know that it's now our Paul. I feel Paul. like I'm cheating on him. It's now our Paul and not our Chris. <laughs> yeah. um, adopted Paul. Yeah, and he's a real contender for, for Player of the Season, the sort of person that, you know, if, if Wellington could creep into the finals places, which they are at the moment. Um, they can go on a, a sort of run with him. He's a match winner, do you know? And when it gets mm. to the final series, you've got someone like that in your team, and he, you know, he could do silly and things to come back. He's just resigned, hasn't he? Yeah, two yeah. more, two more years. Great, yeah, loves it over there. Yeah, mm. it's fantastic. Yeah, I thought, yeah, although there was only just under seven thousand there, I thought they made a hell of a noise, yeah. which again bodes well for this weekend, you know, because I think that if uh, with a sold-out crowd, and I think we got, we sort of got an early indication of how significant New Zealand qualifying for the World Cup could be. You know, if we remember the kickstart that gave the Australian football scene four years ago, they're, they're on the verge of replicating that. And that could be a massive benefit to the Phoenix for the second half of the season. If they can start getting twelve and 15,000 there for the big games, then that's going to be a, you know, it's a difficult place to go at the moment. But that, that could be that home advantage could take them through into the finals for the first time. And Brent and Perth were, were under the cosh at the, at the end, but they weren't beaten. And, and that's a good thing for them going away, isn't it? Yeah, tough road trip, longest road trip in uh, domestic football for Perth, but you see the other guy on the score sheet there, Wayne Shroy, I mean, talented player, he's delivered on on a few occasions this season, if he could put in a full 90 minute shift every week, I think we'd start uh, waxing lyrical about Wayne Shroy, because the bits he does provide for us are are fantastic and a a well hit free kick, although you could have question marks over the goalkeeping there, but talking about Paul Eiffel, I mean, I remember arriving in England watching him at Sheffield United, a great player, and so often the recruiting in the A-League is bagged, but hasn't Ricky Hurd but done beautifully to get Paul Eiffel there. And another thing, I was talking about Shane Smells putting the queue in the rack, perhaps, with the New Zealand qualifier coming up, but having
having an Englishman, Paul Lifel, leading the line and doing so well for Wellington when other players might be taking their eye off the ball. I think it's been key having a, a star player who's an Englishman yeah. leading them and uh, he's inspired them to terrific results in the last month or so. Yeah, Phoenix uh, Phoenix on the rise, if you pardon the pun. Uh, the last game in this round, Newcastle Jets against North Queensland Fury and the Jets uh, coming out 2-0 winners. Obviously a late penalty from Michael Bridges putting that one to bed, but um, it's a quite a tight game for most of it. Yeah, one thing I did find interesting uh, at the end of round 14, looking at looking at the ladder, we're sort of halfway through now. Um, how many leagues in the world can it be that the team that's top, Sydney, has lost the same amount of games as the team that's rock bottom, North Queensland Fury 5 as well? Mm. I mean, there can't be another league in the world that does that. Only 10 teams, though. There is only 10 teams, but even, you know... In smaller leagues over in Europe, you, how often would you see that? Yeah. It just shows how tight it is, isn't mm. it, really? Yeah, I mean, there's still only 10 points separating them. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, you know, a fair amount, and they're obviously not going to catch it up, but yeah. Any other thought uh, that, that your silence is uh, showing me that it was probably not the most interesting? Yeah, I was, I was sort of half watching it and half assembling my second bookcase from IKEA. Excellent. So <laughs> in between... <laughs> It was. I would put it on in the hope that it would pull me away from the IKEA assembly, but it, <laughs> but that, it sort of did. In the both. bookcase was more interesting. Yeah. Is that what no, you're saying? No, no. no. Well, uh, it's just tasks to do whilst watching back-to-back football games on a Sunday. Yeah. And again, you know, North Queensland so unlucky with injuries. You know, with Robinson, a really innocuous challenge, just following the ball in, mm. just knee pops. You know, and so that's. I think that's three players and Jacob Timpano who hasn't played since 2005 Grand Final, pretty much. Um, you know, so. Again, he's he's got to dig deep there with his squad. Um, but yeah, I thought it was an important win for for the Jets, more just for the confidence, really. And you could see how, how up for they were, Bridges, especially when he won the penalty and then got up and slotted it himself. So I think you know he'll he'll be the difference. I think he's got he's the player up front that can give them a bit of an edge, which I think they lack sometimes. Yeah, they've got so, some decent players, haven't they? Do you think they're going to kick on and get a final spot, or is it too much? I think Branko Kalina knew that that was the time to make his move back-to-back home games either side of the uh, international break. He got the three points first up, and he's, he's made a move there, which I think might have been a, a long time coming. We're at round 14, and Matt Thompson, we score, saw him score a hat-trick last year against Melbourne, finally moved him out of the left-back role and into midfield, and his ability to time his runs in the box was on display throughout the whole game he gets the opening goal on uh, running onto a beautiful ball from uh, Michael Bridges in the end but Matt Thompson in midfield I think we could look back on it if Newcastle do make a move as the move which got them there because yeah. I think he's uh, he's brilliant in midfield and Adam DeButso he's good in midfield as well but I think he's better at left back coming forward and swinging balls in on his left side so I think that's a, a move that uh, Branko Kalina might uh, look back on as, as a key one. Yeah. It's good to see Rooney as well I think Rooney's got that bit of mongol up front he'll yeah, in a not dissimilar way to Matt Simon in that he'll put himself about he doesn't really care about people's reputations and the fans love him so it's always that um, that familiar Rooney shout that goes up whenever he's near the ball but um, yeah. yeah I like him he's got mongrel and class though yeah no, he can Quality. play as well yeah, yeah. Well, that's great stuff, lads. That's all we've got time for in the first section of the podcast. But join us after the break as we'll be looking at all the week's news from our website, au.442.com. All together now, 
Australian football legends John Cosmina and Kevin Muscat have come together for the first time since their headline-grabbing sideline stoush nearly three years ago to become very special members of the Green and Gold Army on tour at the 2010 FIFA World Cup. With over 100 Socceroos caps between them, Cosy and Muskie will be arm-in-arm arm with the Green and Gold Army in South Africa and you could be there with them enjoying the ultimate 2010 FIFA World Cup experience. Known for their passion and pride in supporting the Socceroos around the globe, the Green and Gold Army's FIFA authorised travel packages will take you to the heart of Australia's support in South Africa. The Green and Gold Army's packages include tickets to all three Australia group stage games, four additional World Cup group stage games, transfers to and from games and safe, secure accommodation in Johannesburg, just a goal kick down the road from the Socceroos base. Head to www.ggarmyontour.com or call 1300 300 756 for more information on Australian football's once-in-a-lifetime experience. Hi, I'm Archie Thompson of the Melbourne Victory and you're listening to the 442 Insider Podcast. back to the 442 Insider Podcast and now we're going to take a look at some of the week's news from our website au.442.com I'm sure you're all very familiar with that or you wouldn't be listening to us um, first up Australia's big clash against Oman on the weekend uh, crucial Asian Cup qualifier and the news uh, breaking that Alex Brosk has got his chance in the team taking over from Josh Kennedy who's injured uh, we surprised by that, or shocked, or happy, or um, confident? Yeah, I was pretty surprised, just because I, I don't really see where he's going to fit in to Pim's system. The only, the because he, he he can't play as the lone striker. Um, yeah, we were talking last week about the, his prominence this season has been because of his relationship with with Mark Bridge. I mean, on the pitch, obviously, um, because of his understanding that he's forming with Mark Bridge. And so he's not he's not an out and out centre forward. And what we talked about was the fact that he would he'd been wasted for the last two seasons playing that left side slightly advanced role on the left side, which is probably the only role you could imagine him playing in in Pim's system. So I was a bit surprised. And obviously, the person that's going to look at this and be really annoyed is Scott McDonald. You know, he's got to think. Well, I'm playing for Celtic, and you know, am I better off playing in the A League, Pim? Because you've always said that I shouldn't be. Mm. Yeah. So that that was the surprise element of it. I think it's it's good reward for Alex Brosk for a good start to the season, but I still don't see where he's going to fit into that system. Trev, do you think he could possibly look into? You know, some people have said that he might put Kewell up front on his own, and then. Have uh, have Broski come in and fill that role where Kuehl was? Uh, yeah, maybe. Um, it's difficult to say. I don't think Broski's going to start because um, we're saying he can't play that that one man up front um, role. Yeah, I think it's quite possible that either either Cahill or Kuehl could push up front. We've got Emerton back now, so um, you know Emerton, Bresch and, and Kuehl might be well, those. Gita's in the squad, isn't he? So mm. Yeah, it's possible um, as well. He's the guy that I think will get the start. I think he'll play him up because he, you know, Pim said this week that he's got no. Option obvious replacement for Josh Kennedy and that system relies on 
that one player up front. So the only person in there that can play that role is, is Gita. So I, I think he'll get the nod. Yeah, not, obviously, it's completely illegal to play a different set of tactics because you've got players missing. The whole point we play one up front is because, <laughs> you know, we've got Josh Kennedy and it makes sense. But, you know, when he's not available, then, you know, it doesn't really make sense. And we, we've got Bretman back in the team who can play a right midfield. We can put Harry out on the left and we could potentially, uh, you know, try two up front if, if we could be that daring. I, I think the game's going to be a nil-nil draw because um, I'm struggling to see where the, the goal's going to come from. I think Amanda are a better team than we think. I think they showed that when they, they came over here. Um, and yeah, I, th- I think nil-nil's my tip. Do you agree with that? Where do you, do you see maybe uh, a few goals in the game? I fancy the home side can get a goal when you see what they did at Etihad in terms of getting goal-scoring opportunities. I, I would put them down for a goal and Australia could be in trouble. I think the reason Bross might have been brought into squad is getting used to the squad and Pimba Bate probably realises now that if you're going to win internationals, you're going to win games at the World Cup, you need some pace. Not necessarily Alex Bross could be that man, but at the moment he's the guy who offers that pace. Another guy, Nikita Rukovica, he's been in Socceroos squad past, he's got the pace, and there's no doubt that Australia needs that pace for a final 10 to 15 minute burst mm. from someone to run at tiring defenders is what, what uh, opposition teams don't want to see. Whether Brosk is the man come next year's World Cup is another matter completely, but uh, he's the man in form at the moment. Pimber Bakes pulled the right rein, and uh, I think he's a 10 minute, 15 minute cameo man at the end at best. It's difficult though, isn't it? Because because there's something riding on this game. There's not a lot of experimentation that can be done. Do you, do you agree? Or yeah, do you abs- absolutely. You know, and, and you know, Pim said that himself that you know, time for experimenting is over. But then he brings in an experimental addition to the squad. I'm just not sure whether there's other things at play here because he's been randomly criticised for his almost sort of derision of the A-League, you know, when he said that training in Europe is a higher level than playing the A-League. Well, in that case, bring in Rukovica mm. because that's what he's doing. You know, so he's ignored someone playing and scoring goals for Celtic. He's ignored someone training at, a, you know, one of the league leaders in, in the Dutch League in favour of someone from the A-League. And you wonder, is that a bit of sort of tokenism to say, well, all right, let's bring the A-League's mm. sort of leading striker. And where, where's it leave Archie Thompson? Well, well, yeah. I was thinking, and I think Joel Griffiths as well could have been in, in the discussions you know he's done well over in Chelsea. he's just won the title there and, and grabbed a few goals so I don't think he could have been completely out of the frame either mm. well Brenton mentioned Nikita Rukovica and he was in the news this week with Perth Glory uh, possibly losing three players in the uh, transfer window their Socceroos Mille Stajowski Jacob Burns and Chris Coyne uh, I don't know whether or not they're, they're actually going to go or they're, they're, they're thinking about the possibility of them going and uh, Mitchell is said to be interested in bringing uh, Rooker back into the fold on a loan from FC Twente do you think that, that would I mean it would be a great move for Perth but do you think Rooker would, would want to do that? So it depends whether he's, whether he's forced his way into the reckoning by then um, I suppose you know if, if he hasn't and Pim has shown that he's not likely to pick him if he's not playing and he is likely to pick A-League players that are playing and performing then he's probably better served to come back mm. um, but again the, the issue is of course is that he's then going to be faced with the very reason why the three players are leaving which is the A-League season finishes in March and there's no football until May 
you know, until the World Cup squad. Mm. So Rukovic are coming back. Is Egg going to be faced with the same dilemma that has forced the three players overseas? So I think Dave Mitchell's just sort of been quite canny in, in putting this out there now to give the FFA time to think about it and, and actually make some rulings as to what clubs are and aren't allowed to do um, to replace marquee players because it's going to apply to Kalina as well. Yeah. It also shows the fine line, Nikita Rukovic, should he have gone when he went? I mean, do young players, are they too determined to get on the plane and get over to Europe early? If you can carve up the A-League and score another 10 goals or 15 goals in a season if Rukovic had stayed and done that, then other clubs might come knocking and you're looking at first-team football a lot earlier. So mm. it's that fine line. Yeah, He could be the player to, to bump Perth you know, over the edge, couldn't he? You know, to a middling, middling team in the A League, mm. you know, do, getting the results, but he could uh, provide the goals that. I really like him. You know, he's hideously one-footed, but a lot of players are. But he's got that pace, and he's still learning his trade. I don't think there's any legs in this story. I don't think there's probably been any communication between the clubs. I think that Dave Mitchell. You know, has gone on record and, and said that he thinks that the FFA need to help out Perth if they do lose their free Socceroos. And I think this is almost just you know throwing out the feelers or just making it clear that you know that they're going to need that quality uh, gap bridged and perhaps the FFA should you know help them out. Yeah. I mean, it's potentially going to make a bit of a mockery of the finals if you know Perth are missing three players. You know, um, Gold Coast. What if Shane Smeltz decides to do the same? You know, so Gold Coast end up going into the finals without Schmelz or Kalina. Mm. Um, you know, so that I mean, thankfully it's only once every four years, but I suppose that's the sacrifices of um, of the league timing and the fact that it finishes so early. Yeah, you might see some gentlemen's agreements come in when players are um, the contracts are almost torn up. You let the player then go because that's the only way a player can move in, in those situations. So it'll be interesting to see how the uh, clubs do it and whether they can come to some gentlemen's agreements perhaps. Yeah, it'll be an interesting time and some interesting precedents might be set for the, for the future. Another story on our website broken by Aidan. One of our uh, top writers, or our only top writer, isn't he? Oh, yeah. um, talking about Melbourne Heart, uh, looking for a multicultural blend in their recruitment policy. A GM of football operations, John Didelitzer, has said that they won't be looking for a cluster of players from any one place. They're not interested in signing five Portuguese or five Germans, says uh, Didelitzer. They're looking for a, a bit of diversity and uh, all the right noises coming out from the heart, really, isn't it? In their, you know, with their coach the, the Dutchman uh, Van Shipt and uh, their recruitment policy which they're obviously trying to kick into gear now well it reflects what the A-League's done in itself you see the amount of uh, countries being represented on any given weekend we've got the, one of the stars of the league from Costa Rica and mm. then Melbourne themselves have got uh, the Thai international as well or a couple of ties going around and then you look at the, the Dutchman up in Queensland and all sorts of countries are represented so I think it's an obvious call um, by the Melbourne heart to say that they're going to go with a multicultural blender. Mm. I think it's pretty obvious. And yeah, uh, yeah. Um, uh, we'll wait to see what he comes up with on, on his recruitment drive. We've seen uh, uh, Miron Blyberg go off um, to find all his Brazilians before uh, the Gold Coast United got up and running. And uh, we're probably still waiting for those Brazilians to deliver. There's been injury problems there, but it uh, mm. hasn't quite worked out for him. But he certainly... Um, found some stars from other countries as well. Do you see a strong Dutch influence though with the, with the Dutch coach coming in? Yeah, I think it's almost I, inevitable, isn't I it? I think there's yeah, there's always going to be. I think they're doing a very good job of staying in the news without doing anything really. Yeah. You know, there sort of there seems to be a lot of good noises coming out there without them really uh, making any steps forward, but I, I think that you know the, the hope is that the you know we saw probably in the first 
the difference between buying a player off, off an agent's recommendation and seeing some DVD compilations based on actually going and seeing the players firsthand and speaking to the players. And I think it seems like they're doing the right thing. So I would imagine that, he, and they're talking about him going to Europe and, and travelling to actually see players, which I think mm. is a critical thing. Um, so yeah, it'd be interesting to see what sort of um, roster they pull together. And, and interesting as well to see who they pull from locally. Because that's the other thing, is who are they going to pick up from the other A-League teams? Because there's a lot of players coming to the end of their contracts. Mm, yeah. Still a fan of the name, Trev? Love the heart? Yeah, I don't mind the name. I, mean, I think his comments here are pretty obvious, to be honest. If you're like, they're going to get different players from different clubs, it's, it's a bit of a, a nothing statement to make, really, isn't it? But I think it would be good to see some new talent come in, as long as they're not some rubbish player they got off a DVD, rather than just rehashing a lot of A-League players that weren't good enough for other teams. I'm not sure I like any of the four names that they've put to this vote they've got a vote going on in the, in the Herald Sun I think it's Melbourne Heart has now actually been put forward as yeah. a name I think there's Melburnians <laughs> Mel- uh, Sporting Melbourne I think it's on um, so yeah I think there was, there was one other which was Melbourne like, City maybe no they haven't got that up as, Melbourne uh, as no, no, no the other one was quite similar to Melburnians I think hmm. so. I think Melbourne Leverkusen myself <laughs> yeah that'd be great but they're not German, so you know, it's just just my idea. Uh, the I like final- Melbourne City. Was, yeah, you know, yeah. Good. Yeah. yeah, I think I wouldn't be surprised if that is the one we ultimately see, Melbourne yeah. City. But anything but heart, please. And the final final story for this week is uh, Scott Jamison, reigning young player of the of the yeah, 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 league yeah, at the moment. Yeah. He's coming out and saying that there's no crisis at the Reds, uh, but he has said that the table doesn't lie. Uh, we're lying at, in eighth, and it's not good enough for me. It's a big change going from last year when they were near the top now down to the bottom. He's obviously uh, listened to your earlier. I, I must have tipped him last year for something else, and it's been downhill for him yeah. ever since. I was thinking about you know why Adelaide have uh, had the sort of poor fortunes that they've had recently. I, th- I think we saw it from the end of the finals. And there's, there's something going on wrong at the club, you know, from the core out. In terms of the players on the pitch, they didn't um, replace Ogonovsky. Ian Fife's not good enough. You know, to replace him. I think a lot of their young players, like Jameson, hasn't kicked on in the way that we expected them to, um, and just all those you know combination of things. And I think Vidmar, um, I think they're going to start looking to appoint the new Australia under 23 coach. Um, and I think Vidmar will be one of the main names in the frame to that. He, he might do a bit of a, a dutty type thing when he went to AIS. I think he, he might t- take the under 23 job. Even the shirt sponsor's gone down, isn't it? Jim's plumbing now. Jim's with the all plumbing. They can't even get colour on the shirt sponsor. Yeah, <laughs> so, some... yeah I mean, it was interesting that in the... Um in the local press down there the, the main sort of football writer that was that was the guy that um, Vidmar was pointing out in the old the old pissant town sort of uh, <laughs> rant had a real crack at Vidmar this week saying you know when are you going to actually point the finger at yourself because it's always seems to be somebody else's fault and I think that's quite telling is that he's always been quite supported there and I, I think there's a there's a tide of uh, opinion there that's saying well hang on a minute you know at some point we've got to look at who's steering the ship yeah. yeah do you think he could be in danger of uh, I mean he achieved great things for the club last season but you know it's only what you've done lately mm. do you think he could be in danger of, uh, of being given the push or as Trevor said maybe jumping before pushed oh, I think every time uh, Aurelio Vidmar and Adelaide United get questioned they um, come out and 
get three points in a hurry and I wouldn't be surprised if the uh, international breaks come at the right time for them to sort things out. I'm sure Elio Vidmar will lay it all out on the table. He'll be happy to look players in the eye and challenge them but uh, it wasn't look a good look a couple of weeks back with the uh, captain's armband issue and mm. that was another thing which was raised in the local press as well. It's just not a good look and they re- probably do need a heart-to-heart over this uh, break. Yeah. I think as well the interesting point is on your point Trevor is that Aurelio um, Vidmar is currently working for the FFA. You know, the FFA mm-hmm. own Adelaide, you know, and so is that giving him a degree of comfort because he is, you know, there observing at national team training sessions and that he has been earmarked as someone that they're trying to bring through in the system. So is that giving him a degree of com- comfort that the FFA are owning the club and administering the club rather than an independent owner that might look at the league table and go, hang on a minute, we need to do something about this, you know, so maybe there's that, there's not that sense of urgency that he, he would have got under the previous ownership. Yeah. That's great stuff, lads. That's all all the time we've got for in this part of the podcast. But join us after the break as we'll be playing a new game, Firing Blanks. The December edition of Australian 442 is on sale now. We're 50 issues old, and to celebrate, we're listing the 50 defining moments of Australian football, including Aloisi's penalty, FFA's Dutch Revolution, and Vidmar's exit tears. Elsewhere, we catch up with rising soccer star Reese Williams. Italy and AC Milan legend Franco Baresi tells us what it's like to miss a penalty in a World Cup final. And there's a free Football Manager 2010 game demo with every issue. The December edition of Australian 442 it's on sale now. Back to 442 Insider. Welcome back to the 442 Insider podcast. And we've got a new game this week, kids. I'm going to give the guys a sentence and they're going to fill in the blanks for us with a brilliantly selected word or words uh, that they've probably looked up in the dictionary and explain their answer. Are we playing this game because you thought of a good name for it? (laughs) You thought of a good name for it and then you thought of a game afterwards. Brent, have you got any kids? No, I don't. There you go, firing blanks. (laughs) All three of you. Um, (laughs) Well, moving on, we'll actually play the game rather than uh, disparaging my my guests. Say, Jack, Jacko's still doing his now. He's still me. doing it now. Okay, well, we'll go to him first. It's <laughs> <laughs> so when you said good words, not just words. Oh, okay, yeah, the words that actually link in with the sentence. Well, look, we'll give it a go. We'll give Andy some time. We're going to go to our special guest, Brenton, first. You're Ricky Herbert working out his game plan for the crucial World Cup qualifier on Saturday. New Zealand are going to blank against Bahrain. Score a dramatic late winner. Excellent and the place will go off. Yep. We hope something happens like that, as you were saying before, if uh, New Zealand football will get a major kick on and uh, something dramatic, a la the John Aloisi penalty. I, I fancy a late, a late winner from a Shane Smeltz type um, header at the back post. I mean, Bahrain, they, they had the late drama in Saudi Arabia a couple of months back and yeah. uh, maybe it's their turn to run out of luck and uh, New Zealand can get it and uh, really kick on. Wasn't it Bahrain that got pipped at the last at the last World Cup by by Trinidad and Tobago? Yep. Wasn't it? it was like right at the death. Yeah, so yeah. They went on that to happen again. So are they your words? No. Oh, okay. So <laughs> I've got New Zealand are going to win two one because I've backed it at ten to one <laughs> against, against Bahrain. Bahrain. 
Okay. <laughs> so, so you're only basing that on your betting? Yeah. Okay. They're Pretty 10 much. to 1 against Bahrain? No, no, to, to win 2-1. Oh, to win 2-1. Okay. Yeah. I think it'd be tight, wouldn't it? 2-1 or 1-0 yeah, or something. $2.45 and two seventy five. Bahrain slight outsiders. Okay. It's most <laughs> of your research bookie based. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Celebrate is where I do most of my research. <laughs> this podcast, yeah. Trevor? Um, I'm going to go for um, New Zealand are going to be the best of the worst teams yet to qualify for the World Cup against Bahrain because this is what this playoff is basically it's you know who gets to be the worst team at the World Cup next year <laughs> and if you watch the first leg that's what it looked like as well so yeah that's what I'm going for good stuff uh, Andy you're up next you're Alex Brosk having just been called up for the Socceroos if I get a game against Oman I'm going to blank. run around a lot run around a lot <laughs> Is that all you see him doing? Yeah. Not, yeah. Not necessarily in the right direction or near the ball. But. Yeah, I think, I think Brennan was right. I think he might get 10, 15 minutes and I think he'll just come along and run around like a headless chicken and try and prove himself. Almost certainly try too hard and be no nearer to a World Cup place. Trevor? Uh, yeah, if I get a game against Oman, I'm going to text Scott McDonald to take the piss. <laughs> <laughs> like it. Brenton. And I'm going to thank John Cosmina. I'm not sure whether you saw Fox FC about a month ago. Yeah. Alex Brosk and Mark Bridge were both challenged by John Cosmina. They said, he said it was make or break time to um, reinvigorate their career, grasp the nettle if you like. And uh, since that, I'm not sure whether they watched the program or heard that Cosy was uh, having a dig at them, but both of them have been on fire since then. Maybe it takes a rev up yeah. from someone outside the club to um, get them started. He couldn't have done it last uh, season when he was coaching them. Really. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> but you, I remember Alex Brosk saying it's funny here he is going to be on a big stage potentially for the Socceroos a couple of years back he took the took a penalty for Sydney FC I'm not sure whether you remember and he, he had the penalty saved and he spoke about it the next day it was a chance to finish off a hat trick and he said it was such pressure um, because everyone in the stadium is looking at you when you're taking a penalty and I thought that's what you should be thriving on <laughs> yeah. if you're a striker so he's probably had to you know get over those um, problems, if you like, um, to make himself a, a better striker and, and one of the star strikers in the in the um, A League at the moment. Yeah, well, let's hope he gets a run out and, uh, and and does some good. Trev, the next one, you're Scott McDonald. Mm. Being left out of the Socceroos squad has made me blank. Realise how rubbish the Scottish Premier League is, because if A League players are getting a pick out of me and I'm scoring over here, I'm not impressed. Okay, yeah. <laughs> thank you, Brenton. Disillusioned. Did it in one word this time. Yeah, yeah, uh, to be in the squad for for so long and he just couldn't deliver, couldn't find that one goal which would have set him on the map and uh, Timberbake's patience has run out. But as, uh, I mean, when Gordon Strachel was in charge of Celtic, he he pointed out the fact that here he is scoring against Manchester United in in Champions League and what have you. And uh, I think he can easily do the job against the the countries you have to take on down in Asia. And I think you keep giving him chances, particularly when there's injury problems. You've got to bring in Scott McDonald. Also, yeah, he did start the game against Ireland, you know, which we we're all saying was one of the best performances for, you know, certainly in Pim's history as coach. And he started in that role up front with Cahill just behind him. Cahill's first goal was interchange with McDonald's. So you got to look at it and think, I mean, I've got being left out of soccer squad has made me realise I'm probably not going to the World Cup. Because you, know, you got to think, if I'm not walking into that squad now, when he said the time for experimentation's over, 
I'm probably going to prepare myself for not going. But there'll be loads of people thinking they can go now, though. Yeah. And he should be one of them again, yeah. trying to prove himself. And maybe Pin, you know, Pin's giving him a little nudge and saying, look, you're not guaranteed. Because he got dropped the Celtic as well, didn't he? He was on the bench and then came off and grabbed a couple of goals. So he's being challenged both at club and country level at the moment. Yeah. Brenton, your Queensland raw boss, Ange Postacoglu. I need to blank for the Raws to make the final. Get Tommy Orr back in a hurry. Tommy Orr away with uh, young Socceroos duty, I believe, and uh, just on fire before he left. And I think um, by the end of this season, we might be talking about Tommy Orr in uh, real glowing terms. I think he's a player that can really kick on. He he was a shining light at the Under-20s World Cup, and uh, the ability to unleash shots and take on players from midfield is something we don't see a lot in the A-League. I think he's a star. Andy? Uh, I need to pray. But then I thought maybe not drink and drive might be better for <laughs> automated finals. Uh, I've, I've got to keep my players on the pitch because I think the discipline's been awful and he needs to, you know, cut down on the red cards and the suspensions and, well, and injuries as well. Yeah. Andy, you're Jason Kalina. I'm going to blank when the January transfer window arrives. Leg it. <laughs> Yeah, quite an obvious one. Yeah. Obvious reasons. I've, I mean, I've got the same be out of the door like a greyhound, I can just imagine. <laughs> <laughs> he's not going to be hanging around, um, you know, regardless of what, what the Gold Coast are doing in terms of making the finals and stuff. I think when it comes to the, the opportunity to play at a World Cup or playing an A-League finals, which you could probably do the following year, there's not much choice, is there? Yeah. I've got one uh, optimistically if he stays ask Miron for more defenders I think they need, just need to tighten up in that key period and uh, find a, one or two defenders in the in the transfer window and uh, potential injury cover of course in the A-League and, uh, and really um, make a push for the finals yeah great Andy your Melbourne heart coach John Van Shipt the first person I'm going to recruit for the team is blank Edgar Davids oh mm, like it yeah. Why? Um, he's in the market. There was talk about him going to Leicester, of all places, which was a weird spot for him. Um, and then they couldn't agree terms. And I just think Ajax connection on the market, good marquee signing. Great marquee signing. Great Talk marquee about getting players. Played in the Premier League, played in Serie A, played in... Played for Real Madrid as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. played in all the top three leagues. <laughs> top and Tottenham as well. Real yeah. Madrid did not always for the top sides of the top three leagues, but he did play in all three leagues. Um, yeah, I think it'd be a, first, a really good first signing. Yeah. I'm going I'm to go Kevin Muscat. What, what a great story that would be. And I, I don't know, um, we say, you know, Kevin's loyal to the victory cause, and he obviously is, and, you know, he's, he's coaching there, but he might just be loyal to living in Melbourne and playing football. So, um, you know, they might not offer him another year or whatever, and he might end up at heart. I mean, it's not going to happen, is it? But yeah. it'd be good if it did. Yeah, thanks for that, Trev. Uh, Brenton? <laughs> I'll stick to the same thing from earlier. Tommy Orr. I think you go around and find the best young players in the A-League and make some uh, coups there as well. Forget, yeah. forget the ageing veteran Kevin Musket and get the uh, star youngster, Tommy Orr. There we go. Brent, Brenton's uh, revealing his man crush uh, <laughs> in the podcast. It's fantastic. Well, that's the game. But while we've got Brenton here, we just wanted to uh, speak to him a little bit about uh, your job and, and what you do at Fox Sports. Uh, obviously, we, we recognise your voice more than anything, which is good that we've got you on the podcast. But tell us a little bit about how your, how your week goes 
shows and what, what you actually do because you, you don't just do football do you no I do the uh, golf show every Tuesday night on Fox Sports as well I do the um, report on the US tournament and uh, also help out in the Fox Sports newsroom knocking out uh, news packages throughout the week but yeah. then uh, come the weekend uh, tend to get maybe one game a week in the A-League as well and uh, yeah, plenty of research for that and uh, we've got a Fox Sports stats department who give us a, a bit of a helping hand there as well but um, bring the coaches to the day before and get a feel for what, what they're trying to achieve in the game and then uh, head to Perth uh, quite often <laughs> on, yeah. uh, on game day and it's a, it's a long trip over there and uh, plenty of time to read over the notes and, and get ready for the game and um, yeah that's Does pretty it much. affect your commentary that trip because we've always been told it affects the players you know that long, <laughs> that long trip out west does it yeah <laughs> no it's fine uh, the next when you're um in the hotel room the next night it's, um, it's almost a jet lag experience yeah. so you often wake up at four in the morning but it's uh, it's fine for the call <laughs> do, you, do you ever get like kind of butterflies doing games or in the early on you know because obviously it's quite a nerve-wracking yeah. relatively nerve-wracking thing yeah, early it? doors for sure yeah um, in the early games there were always nerves and it's always nice to just get that first line out the way and then away you go but um there were, there were nerves definitely early on yeah, yeah you have you ever any any embarrassing things that have come out and you've sort of gone as soon as you said it like that doesn't sound right or... oh there's, there's plenty of times yeah you're never going to get every word right in, a, in an unscripted call but um, yeah sometimes you look back and say why did I say that and uh, you might get a cursory glance from your co-commentator with... <laughs> but um, no generally it works out okay yeah. now you answered some questions for us in a feature that we've got coming out in our next edition where we've spoken to some commentators from uh, Australia and around the world and you, you mentioned that you uh, um, have been blessed with a lot of great kind of co-commentators and uh, you've told me but share it with the rest of them who's who's been your kind of favorites that you you've worked with who's who stood out worked with so many when uh, when you posed the question it was a chance to look back but yeah. uh, uh, John Cosmina I've caught a few games with recently Kim on Taliadoros as well we, we did a few games at two in the morning Asian World Cup qualifiers with the likes of Bahrain and Qatar and what have you and then uh, Ange Postacoglu now the coach of the Raw he was uh, quite often on the commentary team uh, um, Andy Harper, I called quite a few games with him. It all started with Robbie Slater, so mm. been quite a few co-commentators. But I love calling with Paul Trimboli. We got the chance to go up to the Asian Cup and uh, and uh, stay in Vietnam for ten days and and called a, a group involving Japan. And we got a real kick out of watching Japan play football. The likes mm. of uh, um, the Nakamura's and uh, Yasuhito Endo, and, and we just love calling the game. I love calling with Trimmers. He's a he's a, a former striker, and uh, he loves talking about the intricacies of, of attack, and uh, he's very good. Caller as well, Trimmers. Yeah. What advice would you give to uh, to a you know a young potential commentator coming through? What, what would you be saying to them? How do they get into the job, and what can they do to improve? It's a tough gig to get into, that's for sure. Um, there aren't too many positions around, but uh, just keep on working on your um, your calls. Don't be, don't be afraid to uh, practice in the lounge room while you're watching a game. Turn the sound down and have a go. Yeah. Uh, it's the only way you're going to improve. Obviously then, not games you're commentating. <laughs> yeah. make, make sure sit, sit back and, uh, yeah. and listen. But uh, no, um, yeah, and go along to a game and take a take a recorder and, uh, and call into a, a dictaphone and, and hear what you sound like coming back and, and just improve with every game. And then and send them into Murray Shaw, care of Fox Sports um, in Piermont. He, he, he doesn't get many inquiries. <laughs> Who's the guy that you look to as being the best football commentator? Uh, Martin Tyler. Yeah. I think everyone yeah. would, would say that um, watching 
uh, his calls at uh, USA 94 in, in particular some of the lines he came out with there are just brilliant and uh, and ones that you talk about in the pub uh, amongst football fans as well like uh, his call of uh, Hadji's goal and uh, and also the Champions League final Manchester United's comeback I mean those mm. words will live on forever but he's a star and there's also some uh, when um, Euro 2008 was coming and some of the calls for ITV are brilliant at the moment yeah. as well so there's, there's brilliant commentators to um, look up to from the UK I always remember Brian Moore Brian Moore that kind of like kind of 80s uh, in England you know the Saturday afternoon or the Sunday afternoon call you know he's, yeah. his voice just synonymous with football I can still remember David Coleman commentating oh, yeah, on yeah. the BBC remember him when it was like when Villa won the league in 80-81 he was still the, still the main commentator and John Watson was sort of coming through he was the young pup then yeah. Uh, yeah. and well, the old look at his face call as well from uh, Davis Barry Davis wasn't yeah. it mm. the famous call from the, the 70s Franny Lee yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> look at Barry, his face Barry Davis, Barry Davis's best commentary moment ever was not a football match he was commentating on the Olympics I can't remember which one it was and it was when, when Britain won the gold in the hockey the men's goal mm. and um, they, they were playing the Germans in the final which gave it a lot of extra spice and it, he let his like unbiased nature go <laughs> and there was the lad there was a fella called Sean Curley scored all the goals for yeah. so they, they became adopted by all the football fans and he, he goes and, he was, and he's got to win it and you've got to ask yourself where were the Germans but frankly who cares yeah. <laughs> 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 he stands the closing line got the winning goal yeah. that's, uh, brilliant that's yeah. great stuff well you know we might uh, be branching off into a hockey podcast soon but um, <laughs> that's all the time we've got for that thank you very much for uh, your uh, advice and reminiscence uh, Brenton and we've got a final section coming up after the break where we're going to have a look at the World Cup qualifiers on the weekend so uh, join us then all together now Australian football legends John Cosmina and Kevin Muscat have come together for the first time since their headline-grabbing sideline stoush nearly three years ago to become very special members of the Green and Gold Army on tour at the 2010 FIFA World Cup. With over 100 Socceroos caps between them, Cosy and Muskie will be arm-in-arm with the Green and Gold Army in South Africa and you could be there with them enjoying the ultimate 2010 FIFA World Cup experience. Known for their passion and pride in supporting the Socceroos around the globe, the Green and Gold Army's FIFA authorised travel packages will take you to the heart of Australia's support in South Africa. The Green and Gold Army's packages include tickets to all three Australia group stage games, four additional World Cup group stage games, transfers to and from games and safe, secure accommodation in Johannesburg, just a goal kick down the road from the Socceroos base. Head to www.ggarmyontour.com or call 1300 300 7 for more information on Australian football's once-in-a-lifetime experience. Hi, I'm Matt Mackay of the Brisbane Roar, and you're listening to the 442 Insider Podcast. Welcome back to the last section of the 442 Insider podcast. Joined by Trevor Trahan, Andy Jackson and Brenton Speed, our special guest. Thanks uh, for coming in, Brenton. And we're going to have a look at the FIFA World Cup qualifying playoffs. Eight teams left in the European section. Four to go through. And uh, the first game, Greece versus Ukraine. 
Um, not really inspiring me that much, but um, how do we see that one going, boys? I think, well, Greece have obviously um, fallen from grace since that um, 2004 Euro victory. Didn't make the World Cup in 2006. The group that they've just come out of wasn't particularly strong either. I mean, Switzerland topped it. Um, Greece couldn't get results over Moldova or Israel. Lost twice to Switzerland, and I think they're going to lose against Ukraine as well. You've got extensive notes on each have day, I, haven't you? I've even typed them. Where have you printed them from? I haven't printed I've, ri- I've, I've written all of this out and it's I'm, on the I'm s- not going to ask you any questions I'm going to deliberately snub <laughs> I might you disagree a, with everything Trev said in a pimp a beak Scott McDonald uh, showing I've I'm going to ignore you <laughs> I can add the, uh, the any, any score predictions are we talking 0-0 1-0 or 0-0 0-0 penalty shootout I, I, I think Ukraine might edge that one 1-0 that wasn't on my notes that question so I wasn't quite sure what the answer <laughs> you, was going to be you've thrown in there but yeah you? but I mean a draw is going to be fine there because I really fancy Ukraine in the, in the return leg at home to, to turn over Greece yeah Brenton, do you concur with that assessment or do you see it? Greece, they showed their ability to get results in big games. We are talking a while ago now at the uh, Euro 2004, of course. I was lucky enough to be there and uh, it was... from a neutral's point of view, it wasn't great seeing Greece go all the way, I must say, with yeah. 1-0 results. But, uh, you know, in a cutthroat situation, I could easily see uh, Greece getting uh, a result there at home and making it very hard for Ukraine in the second leg. Yeah. Ukraine obviously came out of England's group at the expense of Croatia, so they got a scalp already. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, they, they, they beat England in that game that stopped England getting the, the 100% record when there was the sending off. But... Um, yeah, from a from a sort of selfish Australian football sort of buzz perspective, I'd probably like to see Greece get there ahead of Ukraine because it adds another dimension to it'll be, you know, Brighton Lasans will be going off at least three times in two weeks. Yeah. Um, so I think it'd be interesting. And, and again, what what is interesting is that one of these teams could well end up in Australia's group, um, one of the second tier of um, of the European nations. So it could well be one of these teams uh, is, is who we're playing. Yeah. Uh, the next qualifier, Portugal against Bosnia Herzegovina, I think mm. is the pronounced uh, local dialect. Is uh, the, the pick of the playoffs this one, isn't it? Um, in in terms really? of yeah, I think so. The head of Ireland, France. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, what I was going to say in terms of potential for a shock result, because. Um, I, th- I think you know Portugal have been fairly poor. Um, they won't have Ronaldo, and Bosnia have been a completely different team over the last sort of sixteen months since they've got a new coach. They've got some real quality players in that team now, and they've got the potential to shock them. I think even gambling Andy, I've got them at seven bucks, seven dollars Bosnia to win this weekend. Not the time this weekend in Portugal, which I think is a good bet. You know, Portuguese no Ronaldo. I think Basinga's out as well. Um, psychologically, that's a massive blow. You know, that'd be like Australia losing Harry Kuehl or losing Kale in the lead up to a big game. Mm. That's going to have an effect. The press are going to be getting nervous. That would translate through to the players. Um, I think Bosnia have got every chance. That's certainly not seven dollar outsiders. Yeah. And they ship no end of goals in the qualifying stage, and they Portugal at home. Yeah, at so home. they're susceptible, and uh, and Bosnia Herzegovina can keep clean sheets as well. So a big yeah. chance at seven dollars. They didn't play very well. I mean, um, they were very lucky to beat Denmark 
in the game that really kind of kick-started them at the end. And if they had lost that, and I think the, the guy who scored the goal for them was the Brazilian yeah, guy that, that they, they rushed, rushed through, through at the end. So, uh, um, yeah, I think you guys might be right that there could be a bit of a shock. The, It'd be nice to see England lose to someone else in the quarterfinals on penalties as well. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, the, And, and uh, arguably the plum tie of the round, if we ignore everything Trevor says, which we usually do, um, <laughs> Republic of Ireland versus France, Brenton. There's yeah. no doubt it's the glamour matchup for me. I mean, yeah. two teams that uh, can light up World Cups, Republic of Ireland with their fans and France with their football. Um, France have been underachievers. I'd love to see Ireland get a result in this first league because uh, I think a World Cup with Ireland's a, a better World Cup. And, and you talk about Greece being in the World Cup and Ireland being in the World Cup and, and the Socceroos there as well. I think we'd have a hell of a party down here. Definitely. A few, headache, <laughs> a few headaches after the games. But probably the, can you the, imagine the, if New Zealand and Ireland qualify? There'd be no, there'd be no one in in Bondi during that. <laughs> yeah. England, England, Ireland, New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't be able to get a drink, would you? Um, probably Ireland's best friend in this whole thing could be uh, Dominic because the the rumours are that a lot of the players don't really like him and uh, you know don't like to play for him could that be a, a be a factor or do you think it, you know they're just going to unify now for the these last couple of games to get them there yeah I mean I, I, I'm surprised that he's kept his job this long you know because they had an awful Euros and like you say there's, there's constant rumours of unrest amongst the players um yeah, he's still in charge, you know, and I can't. I find it difficult to believe that France are favourites to win in Ireland. You know, mm. I'd say, you know, I'd say Ireland or the draw would be the favourite there. But, um, but I agree with Brenton. I think, you know, the, the major tournaments always are richer for the Irish fans. I think they'll certainly go to South Africa in numbers and have a good drink. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, 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 I'd probably tip Ireland to get a narrow win this weekend, and then I think it will all go. And then, and then again, the other thing, like with with France playing at home, same as Portugal, is that. France are, are certainly not unbeatable at home, as, as Scotland proved. You know, and the French fans are, you know, very quick to turn mm. against the team if things don't go their way. So if Ireland can nick a just a narrow lead and go there and and you know put up a good 15, 20 minutes and not concede, then they've got every chance of going through in that. And that would be a major shock. You know, France not qualifying and then obviously Dominic will go then. Well, Trev, obviously part of the Trahans of Killarney, uh, the, the, the famous <laughs> Irish clan. Uh, you, you'll be going for the green, the green boys. Uh, I don't. Really I just made that up. Yeah, it's just Cornish actually. Corn, okay. Um I really don't care who gets through, to be honest with you. Um, Ireland seem really uh, fired up for this game. A few of the comments the players are making um, in the lead-up, they're going to really heavily rely on Robbie King because they always do, but there's not necessarily anything wrong with that because he's a, a brilliant player, um, got experience in, in Trapattoni. But I, I think you know the French who, who have been poor in qualifying um, will have that little bit too much quality in the end. I mean, uh, Trezeguet can't get in the team at the moment. Um, Anelka, Benzema... You Trezeguet? On... <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you must have just been thinking oh, that. Oh, sorry, I'm hoping that. Um, and they've got Ever and, Ever and Gallus at the back, but no Frank Ribery for the playoffs. So that's going to be um, a big loss. But I think it would be a draw in Ireland and France will, will win on home soil. I think the key for me is, is yeah, Keane up front, but, but done and given at the back. You know, Richard Dunn you know, needs to have two big games mm-hmm. against the, you know, the, the, the French strikers and given needs to be on forming goal. Because I think you know they will get put under pressure, and it's whether they can ride their luck a little bit and um, and come out of that unscathed. Yeah. The final European qualifier is uh, Russia against Slovenia. We all know about uh, Russia and uh, their coach. 
possible chance for uh, Australia to to face them. Can they face them if they go mm. through? They're a second tier team again. So, yeah. Uh, do we see Russia going through? Yeah, I, I think so. It's the, the lock of the round. Yeah, I think, I think that's probably European the one that you would say that there's a, there's a clear favourite there. Plastic pitch as well. That's going to play into the, the Russians' hands, isn't yeah, it? But the bonus for Slovenia is having the first leg on Russian soil. If they can just stay with them in that first leg and then go back home within touching distance. I mean, so often you, you see the team that's uh, they're drawn at home in the first leg struggle. Yeah. Now the other qualifiers, uh, obviously we touched on uh, New Zealand against Bahrain. There was a little bit of confusion on our website this week that uh, Andy came to me in a panic in when I got in uh, at my usual time. Half ten, yeah. Slouching in about <laughs> half ten with a coffee. Uh, we a bit of confusion about the away goal. You want to clear that one up quickly, Andy? Ado got a little bit confused. He's obviously written it late at night and was a little bit tired and emotional and thought that away goals literally did count double. So, <laughs> so if Bahrain scored once an injury in an extra time, then New Zealand will have to score twice to force the penalties. But obviously that's not true because if they score twice, then they win 2-1 and go through. I think the thing is, is that obviously the only way this game can go to penalties is if it's nil-nil after extra time. Yeah. Uh, if any team scores, then, then we're not going to get penalties. It's going it's to be nil-nil, isn't it? Yeah, one of probably. the worst games in the history of football. It was a great miss by the Bahraini guy in the first leg. So <laughs> yeah, it's incredible, incredible, isn't it? We might be, uh, I'd quite like to see him at the World Cup if he's going to do more of that. Yeah. I'm sure and our listeners are up on the uh, away goals rule. I mean, that is a bugbear that keeps going on and on mm. and on. Yeah. Why they don't just say the away goals rule? Rather yeah. than this, this whole premise of away goals counting double and stuff. Don't even mention it. Yeah, yeah. The away goals for whoever's got more away goals gets through. Now, the final playoff is Costa Rica against Uruguay, the, the Ticos of Costa Rica. Is uh, Hernandez been called up for that one, do we know? No, no he's not in the squad. Must be a pretty hot team. Yeah. No, he's not in the squad. Carlos Hernandez not involved. He was so often, but uh, not required this time around. So he must be wondering why. He's playing in the A-League in terms of uh, missing out on... Yeah, uh, it's been a fantastic form as well, you know. So. And Uruguay were absolutely shocking against Argentina in that final game for, mm. from all the reports and everything I've heard. So might be quite a, a hard one to call, obviously. It's Uru- on a plastic pitch as well. Is it? Yeah. In Costa Rica, play on an AstroTurf. Wow. And obviously Uruguay suffered the, the heartbreak of losing against us... Uh, in the last one so let's hope they suffer it again yeah, let's hope they, uh, there'll be nothing worse than them making it through on the playoffs or I, th- I, think Uru- I think Uruguay will get through that I think they'll go there and defend in the first leg just to stay as they did in the in the, in the, 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 the one before against the Socceroos when they came here lost 1-0 at the MCG but then went back and, uh, and had you know, had just rolled Socceroos 3-0 in front of a crowd. You know, that, that crowd in Montevideo will be the biggest thing that Uruguay have got going for them. They have got Forlan as well. You know, I mean, Forlan's been in, mm. you know, really good form for um, Atletico Madrid. So, um, I think Forlan will probably be the difference over the two legs. Yeah, and there's a couple of uh, other marquee matchups over the international break. We've got Brazil against England in Qatar, a possible World Cup final preview in Italy against Netherlands. What? I England, you England, England, Brazil, or no? It's Italy against right. Netherlands. Definitely not England, Brazil. Potential uh, quarterfinals. But yeah, uh, South Africa against Japan, and uh, we could be witnessing Diego Maradona's last game if uh, he, he can't pull out a decent team performance with uh, Spain. 
against Argentina, which looks to be the one of the games of the round. Any any of those really jump out, you boys? Look forward to seeing a full house in Qatar. We don't see too many, but uh, I'm no. sure the English fans will go over. Probably a stadium that can only fit about 25,000, so it's going to be uh, um, uh, expensive tickets on the black market there for yeah. Brazil against England in Qatar. Absolutely. I, got, I was reading a tweet from uh, an ex-442 columnist, Henry Winter, who's, who's over there already. He says he's bored already. And he's doing quizzes on the internet, so uh, obviously not much to do over there. But well, there's not many behind this places for a beer either. No, exactly. As I was, was saying when we were at the break, was that um, this was all part of the deal with Brazil agreeing to come to Wembley to play the first game against England at Wembley, at the new Wembley, was that England agreed to a return fixture at a venue of the Brazil FA's choosing, and that's turned out to be um, to be Qatar, which was probably not the the place they thought it was going to be. <laughs> Um, I mean, this is all part of the Qatari sort of, you know, play. They're, they're in for the, you know, they've got the next Asian Cup. I think they're, they're still in the race for the World Cup. I think they've still got a bid in mm. there. I mean, the, I don't really see that they're, they're serious contenders for that. But they have got shed loads of money. And as we know in football, people with shed loads of money tend to get what they want. So they're, they're hosting Brazil, England. Yeah. And uh, Trev, Wales v Scotland. Wales v Scotland so I'll throw one in there because you know, really, obviously even know. you've you done research some research that on that yeah, I mean, that's from your notes uh, I didn't even know that game was taking place and now you want me to say something about it well that's quite interesting because they're very close to each other so there'll be a, yeah. a bit of a rivalry there right. but I mean both of them have been uh, struggling really so it's probably just a disappointing we're not going to the World Cup friendly that doesn't really mean a lot can I can't right. stand international friendlies they can be the, you know talk about gambling I stopped gambling on national friendlies purely because they're so unpredictable and you don't know what's going to happen. but I mean you know Spain-Argentina that could be brilliant and mm. I think it should be a massive uh, mismatch as well I actually want Maradona to go to the World Cup as Argentina coach because I'd like to see him humiliated at the main tournament rather than losing <laughs> his job before but I don't think he will be I, th- I think if, if he keeps his job to the World Cup I think he'll have every, they'll have every chance of winning the World Cup. Oh, they've because, got the players, yeah. Yeah, because it, it takes away, and I was listening to to um, the, the Tim Vickery from BBC is, is based over in Rio and like knows everything about South American football. And he was talking about the fact that what Maradona needs is to have the 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 distraction of tinkering taken away from him and the fact that he will have to name his 23 players and then stick to them because he used something like 80 odd players in qualifying (laughs) that just the act of saying these are my 23 players and so much of it then when you get to the tournament is motivation you know which Maradona will stand there and you know Call, call upon them to do what they want to do and I think they, they'll have every chance because mm. I just think it's not about it's not about coaching and systems of play at the World Cup it's going to be about who's up for it you know and if Lionel Messi if he can motivate Messi and Aguero and Mascherano to be on song they, they could beat anyone and Messi's probably old enough to um, start this time I mean that was a disgrace yeah. last time in the last World Cup Argentina would have walked it if Messi uh, played every game mm. and uh, in the lead up to the 2002 World Cup Brazil were absolutely woeful in calling Qualifying for South America, and it's a really tough group to get out of for yeah. any team. Yeah. And um, you know they got their act together and won at the tournament. I think a previous time Argentina had won it, they won on this horrendous run of eight losses or eight games without a win, and they lead up to winning the World Cup. So yes, yeah, a, a different kettle of fish once you're there. Great stuff. Well, that, that's all the time we've got for in this one. I do have to give a special shout out to Mark Jensen at the FFA, who we met up with last night at possibly one of the worst films ever made. Uh, not, we have to name it. So do, it's do 20, 2012. Do not go. It's even if. It's do, 
think I would say it. I think you just should just because any people you, know, you don't like recommend it to yeah. <laughs> but Mark's, Mark's been making me look good with all these uh, little stat snippets so uh, get to work Mark and make sure you uh, make me look good on the podcast from now on and I'd just like to thank Brenton for coming in at short notice no problem got your registration papers through and our, <laughs> our ringer um, I think we used my registration paper and just handed it to the ref and said yeah it's me and uh, we managed to do it that way so thanks for your time appreciate it and you can listen to, to Brendan on the um, A-League commentary and the golf show and news packages uh, <laughs> we're seeing them all over the place and uh, thanks to Simon for twiddling our knobs again today and don't forget you can listen to us on the interweb at au4.442.com I always get our website wrong it uh, shows how often you go on and right? you can subscribe to us on uh, iTunes thanks a lot for listening and don't forget to check in with us next week 442 Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services.